sponsored by Brilliant. Okay, I've seen a lot of discussion lately about how the iPhone, or just phones in general, are quote unquote, good enough. That most of them already do most of the things most of us need most of the time. And Apple, Samsung, Google, and everyone else should just chill out and stop updating them every year. iPhone 12, who needs it? It's exhausting enough already. But is it? I mean, really? Now, hear me out. Maybe the iPhone, even the hotly rumored and anticipated iPhone 12, maybe all current and expected phones this year are just still scratching the surface of their potential, of what they can be and what they should be doing for us. I'm Rene Ritchie, and this is why the iPhone, even the iPhone 12, yeah, still isn't good enough. Nowhere nearly. Okay, let's start with the design. And no, I'm not talking about how generations of iPhones look the same or how the iPhone 12 is rumored to be a throwback to the squared off design of the iPhone 4. That's all small. That's Porsche or Leica or Rolex. I'm not even talking about the notch because yes, that absolutely needs to go away along with all the foreheads and hole punches and mechanical chuchers. And it will. We're already seeing some of the cameras and sensors move behind the displays. And I expect that'll continue until all we're left with is clean, clear screen, bezel free for as far as the eye can see. No, what I'm talking about is the stuff we haven't really seen much progress with at all. Like how much the screens still scratch and sometimes break. I know the iPhone is practically responsible for bringing Corning Glass, Gorilla Glass, two mainstream phones, and that ion exchange chemistry still requires a ton of tuning between strength and hardness, but they still scratch, they still break. And that's simply not the case at all with the sapphire that covers the higher end Apple Watch screens. Apple did try to bring that to phones as well, went in on a whole factory even, but it just didn't work out. Not the economics, not the scale, at least not back then. But I'm hoping very much that Apple and other manufacturers haven't stopped trying. Not with Sapphire, not with other potential hybrid materials, because our phones really do need to become far more resilient. Because they also shouldn't be slipping out of our hands and off tables and pretty much everything else so damn always either. Glass backs have been a blessing when it comes to inductive charging, no doubt about it. But starting with the Nexus 4, continuing with the iPhone 8 through 11, and perhaps culminating in the near frictionless devilry that is the Galaxy Flip, They've also been a curse when it comes to falling off everything. There have been various attempts over the last few years to texture the glass surfaces, including the recent iPhone 11 Pro's matte finish. And while they're hella cool to look at, they haven't made much, if any significant difference to the slipperiness. And really they should, because we should be able to put our phones down on anything approaching a flat surface without having to worry about it sliding off and crashing to the floor. Step by step, year by year, Apple has been introducing slightly better optics and much better image signal processing and machine learning algorithms to reduce the difference between the tiny sensors and glass on our iPhones and the massive sensors and glass on dedicated cameras. But there are still those differences. Low light is one. Somewhere between deep fusion and night mode, iPhone photos can still get really, really noisy. That's an issue with phones in general. Specific to the iPhones though, there is still very little in the way of real usable zoom. It went 2X optical with the iPhone 7 Plus, but has promptly stayed there. 
Meanwhile, Samsung, Huawei, and others have added periscope cameras for far, far higher levels of optical zoom. And Google has leveraged their HDR Plus for super res, vastly improving their digital zoom. And if we have kids or pets playing in the parks, one day when we can all play in parks again, or soccer or whatever, or we're traveling, one day when we can all travel again, and we just can't sneaker zoom, not all the time, we need cameras that can zoom for us, including iPhones that maybe can leverage smart HDR to make smart zoom. It's one of the last remaining things an average point and shoot can still do better than the best iPhone. And sure, toss in a macro as well, just not any of those two megapixel macros, please, no. So we can go from all the way in to all the way out, just as seamlessly and easily as we can go from ultra wide to telephoto today. And the last thing I'll add here is neutral density ND filtering as well. ND filters are typically used, for example, on bright days when we're shooting outside and we wanna limit the amount of light that gets captured so we can avoid things like blowing out the sky, but still keep the accuracy of the colors, you know, like sunglasses for our camera phones. Now, Smart HDR on the iPhone already does a pretty great job at handling bright outdoor captures. It basically exposes for both light and dark and then image stacks the hell out of them. But with a few levels of ND available, it could work even better in an even wider range of conditions. OnePlus showed off a concept phone at CES earlier this year that used electrochromatic glass, not only to hide the camera lenses, but also to provide for ND filtering. That kind of tech could eventually provide us with the opposite of a night mode, a bright mode. We got Touch ID with the iPhone 5S, Face ID with the iPhone 10, and Touch ID back with the new iPhone SE. And they're both good, they're both fine. I mean, Face ID is more transparent than Touch ID in daily use, but it currently has a huge problem with the masks many of us are wearing these days when we go out. Likewise, Touch ID doesn't work with gloves, either winter or medical, and can be a pain when we wash our hands a lot and the moisture level changes. In other words, by themselves, neither are perfect forms of biometrics. Now, I don't wanna belabor this point here because I've talked about it several times in previous videos over the years, and I absolutely will be again. So make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any of those. But we need multiple biometrics. We need our phones to take glances of our facial geometry, snippets of our voices, touches of our fingerprints, read our gates when we're walking, and build a threshold-based trust system that just keeps our phones immediately accessible if it's certain that we're us, and only challenges us when it loses that certainty. That way, regardless of what we're wearing or doing, we're just never the ones who are locked out of our phones. Apple makes pretty much the best silicon in mobile these days, and may just be expanding beyond mobile soon enough. RAM though, RAM is still a problem. RAM is random access memory, and it's different than solid state storage, SSD. RAM is like the amount of stuff that we can actively juggle with our hands at any one time. Storage is the amount of stuff that we can stack up on shelves, you know, to give our hands a rest. The problem is because there's only so much we can juggle at any one time, anytime something new is added, something old has to be dropped. Jettison, so to speak. Traditionally, because iOS uses native apps and doesn't have an interpretation layer and doesn't do things like garbage collection, things that basically make it like juggling with wrist weights on, the iPhone has always been able to get away with less RAM than other phones. But to make it all work, apps are supposed to play nicely, not take too much RAM to begin with and not hold that RAM any longer than they absolutely have to. And that was all fine. That was all great when we were dealing with the ye old apps of yore, but just doesn't work in the age of massively non-optimized social networking apps, 
resource-intensive online games, apps that are basically their own interpreters as well, like web browsers and their near-infinite tabs, and cameras, depending on how much data they're ingesting and processing at any given time, which is more and more with each new mode. Those kinds of loads make those kinds of apps last one switch, maybe two, and then they inevitably start relaunching and reloading just all over the place. Recently, Apple has begun handling it the way Android phone makers have been handling it for years by adding more and more RAM, supposedly going all the way up to six gigabytes of RAM on the iPhone 12 Pro later this year. But RAM comes with overhead all its own. Some Android phones have also begun letting us stick apps in memory so they never have to jettison, but that's like taping items to our juggling hands. It just reduces anything and everything else we may also want or need to juggle. I, I really don't know what the best solution is here. Maybe these massive online social and gaming apps should just do a much better job buffering and preserving state so they don't panic and reload or relaunch, even if we go back to them much, much later, and they let us at least interact, at least have some semblance of interacting while they're updating, hopefully transparently in the background. Hey, nerd can dream, which is especially true when it comes to things like battery life. And yeah, we all want some giant revolution in chemistry that lets us charge once a week or month instead of twice a day or every couple of days. Or better neural networks that let us even better optimize the battery chemistry we have now. And that part honestly still seems far more likely. And to learn more about it, check out Brilliant's new Introduction to Neural Networks course. It's amazing. For example, it shows you how you can wire up just 50 neurons and using that type of feedback, build a network that's capable of classifying handwritten digits. Maybe one day, how to squeeze even better predictive algorithms out of iPhone multitasking. Whether you're a student looking to get ahead while school's out, a professional who wants to brush up on the latest and most important topics, or someone who just wants to learn how all the new stuff we're gonna see with the iPhone 12 works, Brilliant is here for you. Especially right now where we're all stuck right here. To learn more, go to brilliant.org slash Renee Ritchie and sign up for free. Be one of the first 200 people, and you can also level up with 20% off the annual premium subscription. Thanks, Brilliant, and thanks to all of you for your support. So when people say the iPhone or any phone is good enough, I just don't know what the hell they're talking about. These are just some of the areas where I think the iPhone 11, even the rumored iPhone 12, all phones basically simply aren't anywhere nearly good enough. And I really, really hope Apple and everyone else who makes phones is paying attention and working hard so they can make us all better phones. But now I wanna hear from you. Hit like, hit subscribe if you haven't already, and ring that bell so we can hang out and chat in the comments for the first hour right after these videos go live. And then hit up those comments and let me know. What do you still wanna see fixed in the iPhone? What would make a phone any phone on the market truly, really, finally good enough for you. I don't know, coffee or spirits replicated out of a charging port? Dream big. Thanks for watching. And for far more on the iPhone 12, check out this playlist right here. One of those here's. See you next video.